Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast featuring candid interviews with unconventional entrepreneurs who are boldly building a business and life on their own terms. I'm Willow, your host, video producer at Be Seen Productions. At Be Seen, we are on a mission to elevate your online presence, offering remote video production and digital marketing services, ensuring that your company makes an unforgettable impression with those who matter most. All of the guests on this show also have a big mission and inspiring story to tell. You'll hear the messy truths and unconventional paths of entrepreneurs who are unapologetically blazing their own trail. So if you've been waiting for a sign to carve your own fucking path, this is it. Okay, on to the show. My next guest wasn't always teaching yoga and coaching lawyers and corporate professionals to live a life that's lit. Ryan Spence worked as a big law lawyer for well over a decade before he decided to carve his own path and stop trading precious time for big money, doing something that he lacked enthusiasm for, or as he refers to it as a life of lethargy. In this episode, you'll hear Ryan's personal journey of how he discovered his true calling after a big wake-up call and how you too can change paths if you tune out your inner critic and really listen. So I urge you to listen to the end to hear how you can apply his three guiding principles towards living a lit life starting today. Okay, let's meet Ryan. Ryan, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast, Carve Your Own Fucking Path. I can't wait to hear about your path because you have taken a huge turn starting off as a big lawyer, as you call it, and now you're a life coach, high performance coach, and yoga teacher among many other things, I'm sure. So let's just dive into your backstory and I'm going to take us back to wherever you want to start, but ultimately like the path that you were on before. And then that moment, you know, if you can describe like that moment of, okay, I'm just, I'm going to carve my own, my own way here. Sure, no problem. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, Willow. And I got to say, I, I love the title of the podcast. Um, just the name <laughs> awesome. itself, Carve Your Own Path, but also just in the time that we're in, I think it's a thing that a lot of people are thinking about. So um, yeah, I, I think True. it's fantastic. So very happy to be here. Um, yeah, so I, I was, I guess, what they called a big law lawyer, which all that means really is I worked for one of the, I guess, the top 10 sort of international firms. Um, and mm. yeah, that that's kind of what I did. I came from some time in the music business, which I loved and was my passion, but wasn't making much money. Mm-hmm. Um, and saw, saw law as a way to actually, yeah, really start to kind of kind of make a bit of money, get back into the music business and, um, and, and build my career from there. Mm. Um, and then I discovered the world of the city, as they call it in London, I guess it would be Wall Street in, in, in the States. You know, I mean, the world of high finance and big deals and headlines uh-huh. and all that stuff um and that kind of lured me away the idea of being able to work internationally and, and actually make a salary which I had never seen before <laughs> um I mean, I mean it had zeros on it for a start which is great um, <laughs> yeah. um yeah. I did that got accepted at a at a firm started there did my training qualified into into finance into capital markets and yeah lived the life in London of a of a junior lawyer really working hard playing hard making decent money, eating in nice restaurants mm-hmm. and nice bars, spending late nights in the office, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go to Singapore, which I'd been to as a trainee solicitor for six months. I traveled to during my time traveling around Asia. 
And I was literally like, bit their hand up. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Send me now. When can I go? Um, <laughs> okay. And moved to our Singapore office in 2014. And I, I mean, I loved Singapore. Um, and I initially loved moving out and working in Singapore. Um, I, I, I kind of loved the lifestyle, obviously the weather, the deals. It was a smaller mm-hmm. office, teams. And yeah, I kind of could see my path ahead of me, you know, in terms of moving up through the ranks and, and, and potentially where that would take me. And that was kind of the plan. Um, and yeah, like most lawyers, there were always sort of things that irked me about the job, but it's kind of part, you know, I mean, part and parcel of the job. And you kind of look at the benefits and just think, well, this is kind of what I should be doing. What a great job. Let's keep on moving. And I guess the first inkling of real, like, do I want to be here was after having my first child. Mm, and okay. Kind of wanting to go home and, you know, be around to sort of bedtime and, and, and to sort of be, be more present. And mm-hmm. the demands of the job weren't really allowing that. Um, and I kind of kept, kept suppressing that voice. being like, no, I mean, what else am I going to do? This is it. This is kind of what I have to do. And now I've got a family to support. Like, just, just keep going. And that voice it, got louder. Okay. It, whose voice was it? <laughs> Good question. Whose voice was it? <laughs> so um, I think everyone has that inner critic. Um, and what, I've, what I found sort of later on, like in doing my own personal development journey is, Given that any critic a name helps. Um, so my inner critic is called Frank. Um, okay. For for reasons that literally I can say fuck off Frank whenever he's talking to me. <laughs> fuck um, off Frank. Love that. So, well, <laughs> yeah. at, the time, at the time he didn't have a name, so I didn't have all that training. But yeah, looking back, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, and he still comes up. You know, I mean, no matter right. where you get, it still comes up. But it's easier to suppress now. But yeah, yeah. Frank. And so so curious. So Frank is telling you to be home though with your kids well no I was I'm thinking that I kind of this is kind of what I want this is the sort of I want to be around for my kids Uh, okay you're a lawyer you've got a very good job you're successful whatever that means um like you just got to do this this is kind of what society tells you to do You, you you go through school you get good grades you get a good job and you kind of climb the ranks this is what you do so mm-hmm. what else what else are you going to do you're a lawyer you've done it for so long what are you going to do yeah. okay so got it now so yeah frank is like stay in stay in this lane and keep trudging along what so, was frank's biggest value oh it's an interesting question i guess frank's biggest value or the thing that frank um wanted most was to fit in i guess i guess not really value but it's yeah it's, no accept it's acceptance yeah it's acceptance it's filling into kind of what is expected of of you as a person and mm-hmm. you're expected to take your family which means you make the money and which means you make a very good good salary mm-hmm. and that means that you do the job and you do the things that are necessary and you you take the the path and you you aspire to be partner in a big law firm this is what you do like you're on this train now like you don't get off like why would you get off because getting off like the road to ruin effectively so yeah right that's kind of the message that that was from, from frank from that inner critic okay and the going farther back, back now childhood ish times like did you have when was this prescribed path that i i call that you know the go to school get good grades get married have you know that path who was I mean, was it society that was telling you or did you feel like the pressure for parents 
you know, friends that you were just kind of following along? I mean, I think everything tells us that society, Mm -hmm. school, parents, everything tells us that way. Um, And for me, it was, it was no difference. I mean, my, my mum had kind of gone back to university, got, got herself a degree, was, was a very big advocate for education. And um, that was just kind of what, what you did. And I, I pushed back against it. I mean, my, my dream was to be a pop star. I was into music. I was into, mm-hmm. into the arts. And that was my thing. That was my passion. I think that's when mm. I fully believed in myself and fully felt alive. And so I pushed back and said, I don't need school. I'm going to be a pop star. Um, and I did that for a while. And I think that it just got to the point where all of that pressure from society, from seeing friends start their careers and kind of progress and do the usual things you would do, go on nice holidays, start to think about buying houses, all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was still there waiting for that break. I probably just, I probably just had that sort of confidence and belief just kind of squeezed out of me where I just thought, okay, I just need to kind of go and do what everybody else is doing. And that's kind of okay. what took me to, to the law career into a corporate Okay. It, is music still a passion of yours? And do you still pursue it in any way? It's a passion, but not, I don't pursue it in that way. I, I mm. listen to music. I mean, music's a big part of who I am. I'm a huge hip hop fan in particular. And mm. music's a big part cool. of, of who I am. It's what lights me up. It's what gets me going. Um, mm-hmm. What's what helps with my friends. Um, and I've, you know, been, there's a lot of criticism of hip hop, but for me, there's a lot of hip hop where I take a lot of inspiration from, from the stories of kind of getting mm-hmm. out of one situation and lifting yourself up and becoming successful, however you define success. So for me, music is a big part of me, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't no longer have aspirations to be a pop star. No. Okay. I think that should be sale. <laughs> well, you never know. Now you have children, maybe they, you know, will get into it. Yeah, um, that'd be good. Yeah. And I'm curious about like when you take a passion and you make, you convert it into a career, Uh did it lose its spark for you? Yeah. And that's a a common thing I see at the moment where people are saying that your passion shouldn't become your career. You should just remain as your passion. Mm -hmm. I didn't find that for me. I mean, the difference was that okay, yes, I could no longer, I no longer listen to music in the way that I listen to it. I listened to it with a far more critical eye, like, because I was mm. in the studio, and that's why I saw how music was made. And I was like, oh, that sounds really good here. Or they use this thing to make this sound here. Um, and, but what it was, what I loved about it is that it wasn't a job. It was a lifestyle. Like I lived like and breathed music. I mm-hmm. made no money. But my whole lifestyle was around music. So I was either in the office or in the studio, or I was going to, to gigs, or I was going to, industry parties so mm-hmm. I had a very vibrant social life it just revolved around free parties with free alcohol do you know what I mean there weren't necessarily yeah. <laughs> friends it was very much about being in, in that world. um okay. but for me it never lose it never lose its allure at all no it never lost its allure at all no um I I, I was okay. fully in and I think mm-hmm. that the theme through, through my life and through what I do is that once I'm into something I tend to be all in mm. okay well that's a great role model for <laughs> now what you're doing with the coaching. So in the, the big law, mm-hmm. how many years were you in, in that world? So when I left, I'd been a lawyer for 11 years. Wow. Um, okay. A chunk of my life. Yes. Yes. Okay. And your, I guess, material like success back then yep. was about money and like material success yeah you should say yeah, yeah. 
exactly. I mean, I look, I I like nice things. Um, mm-hmm. so I like holidays, <laughs> like nice hotels. I like, I like, I mean, I like nice resorts. I like nice drinks. I like nice food. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a lot of time in in, in sort of luxury shops. I mean, I, I like all of that stuff. And being a lawyer at that level afforded me those opportunities. Mm-hmm. But what I've realized, sort of, sort of looking back now with the work I've been doing, is that. A lot of that, yes, it, I like them, but a lot of that sort of spending of cash was to kind of, I guess, appease the the, the sort of lifestyle I was living within work. Do you know what I mean? The sacrifices being made, the hours that I was mm-hmm. doing, the stress that was involved, and also right. that sort of, I guess, questioning about whether or not I was on the right path. So it's kind of spending money to kind of like hide a problem that I didn't really want to deal with. Mm, okay. And it is, yeah, a bit of validation. Exactly. Kind of like, okay, this is worth it. Did yeah. you move to Singapore with your wife or did you meet there? Curious if you moved alone. Yeah, so we moved together. Well, I we, we'd already met in London. Um, okay. And I moved first, she moved six months later. But, but yeah, effectively, we moved out there together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so uh, can you tell me about the, like, the transition period? Okay, so like maybe an aha moment of like, I'm going to start carving my own fucking path. Like this is, I'm done. Is there any defining moment? That you can share so I think the, the defining moment where I actually was like okay no now this actually has to change as opposed to yeah no I know I don't like this but it might get better it might get better or I'll do something about it later was um December 2018 Christmas mm. and went to Bali for a holiday with friends and I love Bali I mean Bali is like I, I I could just spend forever there it's, it's just mm. it's just a, love it just a vibe about the place mm-hmm. and we arrived, we got in the uh, cab to the villa and I got an email from a client that a deal that had been dead was now back to life and the other side mm. wanted to close it by the end of the year, which quick mental calculation meant that I was pretty much going to be working on this holiday over Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and so it proved. And so I was in this amazing place in paradise with my friends wanting to enjoy Christmas and New Year. But in the back of my mind was always work and mm-hmm. times were spent, you know, I mean, in the spare room of the villa was basically my, now my office. So I was taking calls. I was drafting documents. I was speaking to mm-hmm. my client. I was speaking to the other side's lawyers. And so it wasn't that sort of rest and relaxation that, that holidays, vacation is all about. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, this wasn't the first time. So it wasn't like, oh, I had this, this sort of experience for two weeks and I decided to quit. This was a culmination of years, particularly yeah. in Singapore, of working on every holiday except for the two weeks I took off for my wedding and honeymoon so basically every holiday I'd gone on I worked and I was just like this is not how I want the next however long I work for to be mm-hmm. this and I remember sitting sitting on the plane on the way back saying to myself right this has got to change I need to mm-hmm. figure out what I do and where I go from here so that was kind of like yeah. the line in the sand mm-hmm. I still had no idea what that actually <laughs> meant where that was going to take me I just knew that it wouldn't continue as it as it had been. Okay, and curious if your wife, it, your family, was supportive of this change, or was like, would, did that feel threatening because this lifestyle that you've created that also, yeah. you know, is a is a shift. Well, this is the other thing is that it took me a long time to actually say out loud. So, I mean, mm. I have lots of sort of colleagues, and there's lots of lawyers who who complain about about work. I mean, lots of people do at times, mm-hmm. but to actually say you're going to quit and then to actually do it isn't something that a lot of people do so for me mm-hmm. this was something I carried internally for a long time I kind of said yeah I'm not kind of not happy and I kind of think I want to do something else mm-hmm. but because I didn't have a clear plan of what I wanted to do 
I didn't feel that I could verbally say I'm going to quit because the quote question is going to be what are you going to do how are you going to make money etc cetera, etc cetera. Right. and I didn't have answers to those questions so okay. I, I, I kind of knew in my own mind that something had to change but I didn't sort of say that out loud to people in a meaningful mm-hmm. manner like I'm going to quit on this day because I just didn't know mm-hmm. how to pan out and, and where the roads were going to take me okay and so then personal development yeah was the so yeah tell me about that experience like it, it being introduced to this new world assuming that it was new for you yeah, so I knew a little bit about personal development. And I think like a lot of people, I'd kind of half read a book here and sort of watched a motivational YouTube video there. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> but I think what it was is that with, I kind of got more into, well, well, the first thing I did was like started January 2019 saying I need to find something to kind of occupy me, to challenge me. And I signed up for a boxing match. So I trained to, to mm. basically find a white collar boxing match. <laughs> an absolutely awesome experience. Okay. Because it gave me a renewed focus and discipline. And mm-hmm. actually what it, what it also did is led me back to my yoga practice, which had been sort of very sporadic um, to that point. Okay. And that led me to going on to a yoga retreat in um, November, 2019. And that retreat gave me the space and time to kind of really start to kick some things around in my head and open my mind. And mm-hmm. I think opening my mind through yoga then made me more receptive to delving into the world of personal development and to actually start to look at some of the common themes that were coming through and Mm -hmm. to start to kind of think about okay there's another world here let's kind of sort of see if the way that I've been doing things for so long is actually the way it has to be or whether that can change so yeah right okay how it happened so you did you have the language already clearly you've been language yeah limiting beliefs and okay so this was all like a new a new language so, so you had you had yoga so you have maybe meditation as well so you've had some kind of introduction to that okay so what happened next so yeah it's, it's that whole thing I'm very big um, believer that the universe will has a plan for you and once mm. you're open to it, it it will reveal itself and yeah so it's just like um, a stream of events I went on the yoga treat came back, it started this whole kind of change in me. Um, I decided to try being vegetarian for, for a month and mm-hmm. I got two weeks in and then became vegan overnight. Um, wow. So that was a whole, new, whole another shift. Mm-hmm. And then in early December, one morning, I just got called into, into a meeting at work and was like, this opportunity has come up to go to London for two months to work for this client. There was the possibility that, that redundancies might be um, being made in, in the office. So um, I was like, okay, fine. I get to go to London for two months and kind of have, have sort of a bit of a, a free space and, and catch up with some people. And mm-hmm. I did that. And then again, I, I, I met an ex-colleague and, and we hung out and then another ex-colleague was in town. We all met for dinner. That ex-colleague who was training to be a life coach kind of oh. went where I was. And she was like, it sounds wow. like you're a place where coaching could help you. And I'd heard of coaching. I had friends that trained as coaches, but I didn't know a huge amount about what coaching was um, or how it could help me. But mm-hmm. the way that she spoke about it, and I liked her, I trusted her. I was like, okay. And she says, well, look, I could coach you or if you want to. I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. So mm-hmm. I remember having my first session in my um, rented apartment in London um, and her saying, okay, if money was no object and you could do anything, like, what would you do? And I kind of made this list and there was like five things on the list and they were all law, 
you know, I, mean, oh, I, could move oh. firm. I could be in house. I could, because I hadn't really allowed myself to kind of going back yeah, to the verbalization yeah. point to actually say out loud, it just didn't sound real. Mm-hmm. And it was like session two or three where I just felt myself like an out-of-body experience say, I want to do something in yoga and wellness and I want to help people who feel stuck in law, something along those lines. But then that was like, it was like the, the, the sort of heavens parted and suddenly all of these ideas just started shooting around and this sort of weight was lifted off my shoulders. And that was kind of when I decided that, okay, let's figure this out. Cause I'd always thought about training to be a yoga teacher, but it's kind of one of those sort of things which people do, but not people like me, you know, that's why right. people, yeah. Um, and so that was kind of how it started. But all I knew was that I wanted to do something in yoga and wellness. And I wanted to help people who had felt like I had done for the last sort of four plus years that they were in a situation that they couldn't get out of. So that was my mission, but I had no idea how I was going to achieve it. All I knew was I was going to do my yoga teacher training and then take it from there. So second session, life coaching and the heavens parted. Yeah, really much. <laughs> That's a yeah. great testimonial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For, yeah, that's incredible. I love this because it's questions that most people don't ask themselves. That's yeah. the thing. And that's the value I really of, of coaching is asking those questions and then yeah. figuring out like the how. So all of these ideas, you're being flooded with them. And then it's like, okay, then the next step. So with this coach, mm-hmm. did you move forward with her and start implementing these things and, you know, become a yoga teacher? Did you continue on that uh, yeah, relationship? So, she was my coach for a year um, mm-hmm. uh, off and on. And yeah, so I, I booked my yoga teacher training. Um, I did that. It got delayed obviously because of COVID, but then did that and started to teach. Um, um, pretty much straight away, which was amazing. But I think what it, I think what the, what the coaching gave me is that I, I didn't, I worried less about the how (laughs) I was just more prepared to just start things. And it gave me the confidence to just start things. And it was, it was all a process. I mean, you're consistently leveling up. Mm -hmm. I mean, something looks really hard and then you kind of like do that thing and it feels great so then the next thing doesn't look as hard and you kind of keep going from there mm-hmm. but um but yeah that's what it did is it kind of gave me the courage to think actually I can do this and I can figure it out along the way and it made me sort of trust myself trust my instincts and my intuition and mm-hmm. what I do now is completely different to what I thought I would be doing and what I was doing then like I thought I would train to be a yoga teacher I would teach corporates get them to mm. the map and by getting to the mat, they would then kind of look within themselves and find their own path that way. Mm-hmm. And it became apparent that the more that I started posting content, the more that I started speaking to people on, on my podcast, uh, and the more I just started having conversations with people who I knew, that people wanted more than that. Some people were put off by the yoga, mm-hmm. but some people just wanted more. And I was getting asked to speak to people who were in jobs that maybe weren't that happy, but were maybe inspired by what I had done mm-hmm. about my path. And um, I just loved having those conversations and the people that I was speaking to loved the mm-hmm. conversation and actually started to take action based upon them. So I thought, oh, okay, let's maybe, maybe I could do this coaching thing. Let me have a think about that. Mm-hmm. And I sat down at a brain dump of everything I kind of had to go through to kind of get from where I was to, to, to where I, where, where I am now or, or where I was at the time mm-hmm. and put together this sort of six week beta coaching program and mentioned it to a couple of people just sort of casually over over lunch or over drinks and 
not thinking anything. And they both put their hand up and said, I want to do that. Like, like, when can we start? So I suddenly had two clients and was now <laughs> taking two clients through a six week coaching program. Um, and it was absolutely uh, fantastic. I started in Singapore, then we moved back to the UK and I continued on Zoom over here. And mm-hmm. it really kind of solidified for me that actually yoga was still going to be a part of what I did. But this is this is where I could make real change and have a real impact and, and really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I decided that coaching was, was going to be the way forward. And, and that's okay. what happened. Amazing. I love this story of like, as soon as you just one foot in front of the other and, ma- you know, make the decision to start taking these steps and people, it's like a the magnet, they were coming to you. So it's like, it's, uh, well, I mean, everyone has such a unique story and journey, how they become a coach, I think, especially, but it sounds like you were just, it just unfolded you know, for you. And then you didn't have to overthink too much. It's like, you just did it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing is that if I hadn't, if I hadn't started where I was, I wouldn't have known that. Mm -hmm. If I, if I had started, for example, saying, I, I want to be a coach, but I need to get a certification. I need to get a website. I need to do this. that. I would probably still be here now talking about becoming a coach one day. Right. Because I didn't, because I started with my, I don't mean what you want to call it, your purpose, my mission, my goal. Mm-hmm. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. How I did that didn't really matter as long as I enjoyed it and it was aligned, but I just knew that that's the impact I wanted to have. And so mm-hmm. I started off with the yoga and then, and it's also then listening to, again, back to the universe, what the universe tells you and what people yeah. around you tell you and taking on board and thinking, okay, well, I like this, but this could be interesting. Let me check that out. And if it works, it does. And if it doesn't, okay, no, I don't want to do that. Let me try and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to start because as, as you start, is that's when the opportunities unfold. You know what I mean? Right. They won't unfold if you kind of sit here trying to come up with a perfect plan. Right. Um, <laughs> you're just in your head. You need to be out <laughs> in the world doing stuff yes. and then see what comes up and see, see what's attracted to you and what you're attracted to. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I look it- at it. Exactly. Did you ever do any formal coach training? I did. But what's interesting about that is that going back to what I was just saying, if I had wanted to be a coach from the start, I probably would have done it because I felt I had to do it in order to be a coach. Mm. The reason I actually Mm -hmm. did coach training was two reasons. One, because I wanted to be a better coach. So I wanted to kind of be in an environment with other people who were coaches at various Mm -hmm. levels. So right. it was more for the experience and the environment than the actual training itself, as good as the training was. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because I wanted to be working with lawyers um, and lawyers are sort of obviously very sort of. They're like, <laughs> you know, what's your credentials? <laughs> exactly. They need to cross the I's and dot the T's. So yes, okay. made it an easier thing to kind of have a cert say, okay, you know, I do have a certification. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that for myself hiring coaches and for people that have hired me as a coach, no one's ever asked about the certification because it doesn't no. matter. Doesn't All matter. I care about when I'm hiring is like, do I like the person? Do I resonate with what they're saying? And do I think that they can help me? Mm-hmm. And for the people that have hired me, what, what, what's attractive to me is that they have, they've either been inspired by my story, but they also feel that I can understand theirs because they, I've been in a similar world to what they're in. 
So then everything else is kind of just like, do you connect? Is there is there a sort of mm-hmm. a energetic alignment there? And if there is, right. off you go. So I have a certification. Yes, uh, I, I may get more in the future. There's lots of things I'm interested in, in and would like mm-hmm. to know more about. But um, but yeah, I I do use it a bit with my clients, but I found myself veering off path for my training because it's all about what that client in that room needs at that particular time. And mm-hmm. intuitively, I feel that I can then go there because I've been in the situations that they're in and kind of take right. them to where they need to get to. So, Okay. I love that. And it's, I just, it's great. You point that out because so many people I hear, I need this, 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 and it's really, it's just not true. You know, you're able to speak the same language yes. with lawyers. So that is who you primarily work with. Yeah, lawyers and right. people in corporate, but yeah, predominantly mm-hmm. lawyers. Yeah, whether they're in-house or private practice or or, or ex-lawyers, but yeah, I'm, I like that because I know the world and and they know that I know the world. <laughs> right. So you you have those credentials, and yeah. yes, and you're living by example. That's the other thing. You've already you've made you've taken the leap. You're now on this this new this new path. You you brought up intuition, which I also love that you said that. Is this something new for you? to be led by intuition. I mean, again, it sounds completely opposite to what you were doing uh-huh. before. Um, looking back, no, it's not. I remember distinctively, and this has always stuck, stuck with me. I remember when I was in law school and I remember when the tutors in law school, I just um, got my position at the firm I ended up joining. And um, I was kind of having this conversation with him because I was like, I don't really know this world, et cetera, et cetera. And he was just like, you've got great instincts and if you trust them, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the partner I worked for in London also saying that to me on occasion as well, but it seems to be something that other people would say, and I couldn't really accept. Um, I, I would always second guess myself. And I guess, you know, I mean, imposter syndrome is, is kind of a, a big buzz thing at the moment, but it, it was that always second guessing yourself, mm-hmm. you're going to be found out. Um, so I think that, I've always had it. I never necessarily always trusted it as much as I should, but I definitely trust it a hell of a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, again, that's all a process. And I right. think that for a lot of us, we don't because what we're told we should do is sometimes counter to what our, in, our intuition is telling us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we look around, and when you look around and everybody's doing the same thing, it's kind of difficult to go left and everybody else is going right. You know, so you have to have a certain awareness of self and a certain strength of character and a certain amount of courage to be able to do that and stick with it and not kind of turn and then be like, oh, no, I'm going to turn back. Right. (laughs) Right. It's so hard. So you brought up courage (laughs) and you work with the three C's a lot with clarity, confidence and courage. So could you walk us through that and what and kind of define I'm, I'm especially curious about confidence and what that means for you. Sure. So, yeah, when I did my uh, my whole brain dump um, and kind of worked through that and then I kind of started to do my training and kind of get sort of deeper into, into the coaching and actually working with clients, I kind of wanted to simplify um, the process. And by that, I mean that there's so much in personal development, so many terms and buzzwords and things that are thrown around. It can be quite overwhelming. So I thought, okay, if I was to sort of distill down to the essence, kind of what I needed to get from where I was to, to where I am now, what would that be? And that's what I came up with, the three C's, um, what I call the triple C method. And it's clarity. So clarity as, as to, first of all, who you are. So it comes back to that self-awareness, like deep down within, who are you? What do you stand for? What are, you, what are your values? What lights you up? 
Now, mm-hmm. everything else aside, money you should make, the job you should have, the lifestyle you should live, who you should marry, whether you should have kids, leaving all of that aside, like deep down, what things kind of instinctively feel aligned with you. But then also clarity as to what you want. And for me, that's not so much about the job that you want to do. It's more about mm-hmm. the life you want to live. And that can sound quite overwhelming, but you start small. So it can be something like, okay, what would your ideal day look like? What mm-hmm. time would you get up? What would you do in the morning? What would you do in the afternoon? Who would you hang out with? I mean, th- those sorts of things. And then you kind of start to sort of build up to more and more detail, the kind of house, where that house might be, what the view might be, like all those sorts of things. Um, but so, yeah, that, they're the kind of the two strands of clarity. And it's an ongoing process. Uh, and I think the third point of clarity is, going back to what I said before, that clarity of purpose. What's your mission? What's your goal? Mm-hmm. I think we all want to do something meaningful. Meaningful means different things to different people. So it's finding what it is for you. I guess it comes back to that, your why. I mean, mm-hmm. The thing that's bigger than yourself, because that's, that's what's going to pull you through when times are hard and, and when things seem difficult. So find that thing that's bigger than yourself. So I guess, yeah, three strands to, the, to clarity. Once you have the clarity, you then need the confidence. And that's the confidence to believe that you can actually do it, that that mission, that purpose, that goal is attainable to mm-hmm. you. I mean, not people like you, but but you specifically, you need to believe that you have the answers within you and you need to trust yourself, your gut, your intuition, that it will lead you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people aren't confident um, about things because they haven't done them before. And there's a lot of sort of research about the whole confidence, competence loop, like the more you do something competent, the more confident you get. But I don't necessarily think that that's true because there are people who have a lot of competence in what they do, who've been doing it for years and are very experienced and they still don't have the confidence. So I think confidence has mm. to be a different thing. I mean, you have to, you have to, we all have confidence within us, but you have to find it within yourself. You know, mm. there are great lawyers out there who still worry about a deal that they did years ago and whether they kind of did this right or that right. You know what I mean? So right. I don't necessarily think that the two are as, as sort of interlinked as some people probably think that, hey, controversial view. So I'm sure some people will disagree. Yes. <laughs> and some people um, are confident and not com- competent. Oh, well, that's a whole thing. But then I would say that's arrogance. You know, I think right. you then, yeah, then you're, you're definitely, you're definitely still in that. It's a fine line, but I think that you're definitely still into arrogance there. When you that's really true. can't do it, but you're shouting out loud and everybody else that you can, then yeah, yeah, you're, you're kind of out, out of the loop. Um, right. But yeah, it's that, yeah. it's that kind of inner thing that can go in the calm that you can do this. And then mm-hmm. once you've got the clarity and you've got the confidence, you then need the courage. And the courage is that, that to be able to take that first step to take action. Mm-hmm. I think where a, a lot of people fall down, and, and, and I put myself in this category previously, going back to the half-read books and the YouTube videos, is that we're in a time when we can amass so much information. Um, there's a lot of information out there. Mm-hmm. So we get all of this information in and we become inspired. We have all of this inspiration. But then we fall down on the action piece, you know? And if you don't take action, then you've just got all this information, all this inspiration. And then in a year's time, you're in exactly the same position you were when you first started. So it's getting that courage right. to take that first step and take action. And again, it can be overwhelming. And so a technique that I, that I use and talk about is, is courage stacking. So it's mm. where you do something each day that they say do something each day that scares you, but it can be something as small as I'm quite introverted. So sort of having conversations with strangers in the street isn't really something that I do. <laughs> but, 
going, going to your coffee shop, yeah. speaking to the person making your coffee, just striking up a conversation. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's quite scary. But if you do that one day, the next day that isn't scary. Right. So the next day you might do something else. And, you know, I mean, that could be saying no to something, for example. Maybe a friend asks you to do something. You really don't want to do it, but you don't feel you can say no. Maybe you just say, actually, that's kind of not for me today. That could be the next step. So then mm-hmm. you've done one thing, then you've done another thing. And then each sort of day you kind of build and build. And what that right. does, it walks you closer to that sort of massive, scary thing way out there. You know what I mean, in, in, in the distance and it becomes close, you become closer to it. So it's still scary, but it's not as scary as it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. they're the kind of the three pillars. There are then lots of offshoots under that. But I think that when you break it down into sort of those, those simple pillars, those three C's, it becomes more manageable and easier for sort of people to understand where it is that you're trying to lead them mm-hmm. sort of through your program um, or even right. just content. Yeah. Curious if your clients are mostly wanting to get out of law or is it just maybe to, to kind of get a, create a better practice for themselves, you know, more yeah. of a lifestyle they want? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because when I, when I first started this, like, I want to get out of law. So I wanted to help other people get out of law. But <laughs> You'll come with coach, me. <laughs> but then as a coach, you, you, you have to be conscious of not, not sort of putting your, your own ideals onto. Right. Your <laughs> then you'll know better than their friends or their parents or anybody else. Right? Exactly. So, yeah. So it comes back to that clarity. And so it's finding out what clients want. And yeah, I mean, the thing is that sometimes what people think that they, they do want isn't actually what they end up getting. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, I have one client who, who is, is a lawyer, doesn't necessarily want to leave law, but does kind of want to find a different path within it. And it's now very clear that of the direction they want to go and whether mm-hmm. that leads to a legal role within that industry or something different. You know, I mean, they, they kind of know that where they are now isn't where they want to be. Um, I had another client who wasn't in law, but was in, in, in a corporate role and thought that she kind of wanted to get out of that, mm-hmm. but actually found a place where she could set strong enough boundaries that she could still do her job and enjoy actually start to enjoy her job but also mm-hmm. carve out something else on the side for her that, that, that was for her that supported her which may or may not become a side hustle um, okay. so it, it it's really comes down to the individual client um, mm-hmm. I, I work with them to figure out what works for them because look law does work I, I don't sort of think that law is evil or anything like that I have friends who are still in law I have friends who have mm-hmm. made part and, and love it um, but everyone has to find the thing that works for them because right. it works for them, not because it's what they think they should be doing. Right. Exactly. So how about Frank, that inner voice? How often does, does he pop up? He's still there. He's a little bit weaker than he was, um, but he's still there. I think the yeah. thing is what I found about um, sort of going out and, and sort of try, again, trying to carve my own path is that it's, it's probably the biggest um, crash course in personal development that there is because yeah. you're always wading into uncharted territories like every day you're doing something which you haven't done before whether that's mm-hmm. marketing creating content um sales speaking to people on the phone um doing podcast interviews i mean giving speeches mm-hmm. everything's new so you're consistently leveling up so you you have to keep doing that in the work like i have i have coaches because i need the coaches to kind of help me as i get to that next level do you know what mm-hmm. i mean right i'm fine here but then I get here. Okay. I haven't been here before. So I kind of, I have my own tools, 
but it also helps to have that other person given that outside view and picking at things which you maybe haven't picked up because you're in the thick of it. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, Frank's, Frank's still around, um, but I, I'm definitely better at, um, at dealing with him. And, and, and the more that I level up, the, uh, the more downtrodden he becomes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. What, what are you most looking forward to right now? Ooh, lots of things. Um, so the business is <laughs> relatively new, so I'm just really looking to kind of ramping that up. Um, at the moment, I, um, I, I I still do a bit of lawyering, so I'm sort of freelancing mm. for a client at the moment um, while I get the business off the ground. Um, but um, but yeah, the idea was to kind of like really kind of build that up um, going mm-hmm. into next year. Um, working on a book about the three C's just to kind mm-hmm. of like... Um, give people a little bit more clarity as to what that means and that's about so sort mm-hmm. of from my own experience to kind of demonstrate um again basically what we just talked about what the three c's are why they're important how they help me and, and how mm-hmm. they can help whoever's reading the book so mm-hmm. um yeah a little bit behind on that but i'm hoping to get the first draft done sort of by early october and, and get it out before the end of the year that's the um, that's the plan that's um, exciting wow yeah, that's that's um that's quite exciting um I've really got into 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 writing something I did a long time ago but I've kind of got back into into enjoying it and loving it so mm-hmm. okay so it's a, a mix of personal stories with yeah sort of the, okay yeah, yeah. that's the most powerful be, yeah I think when I sat down initially I was I was I wanted to write the book you know there's sort of the big memoir about your life mm. and all of that mm-hmm. but uh, like that's that's kind of not what it's not the best use of my time now and it's kind of not what I think mm-hmm. is needed I think what's needed now is something that's more practical that kind of walks mm-hmm. people through. Okay, th- this is kind of this is kind of where I was. This is where I am now, and this is how I got there. So mm-hmm. it kind of people can then kind of take that away. Hopefully, it'll be pretty short. They'll be able to read it in a relatively short space of time, and then take mm-hmm. actual things away from it. That's that's the idea. Okay, that's great. It's such a a great mix because people will remember the stories, and then have something that they can apply to their own life. And at this point, what are you most proud of? Um, I think there's a few things. I'm most proud of backing myself to, um, to not give in to, I guess, I guess social pressure really. I mean, I could quite easily have sort of walked out of my big law job and responded to the recruiters that are always reaching out to you and, and taken another job and continue doing the same thing that I was doing. But I think I'm proud that I made the concerted sort of effort and decision to draw that line in the sand and be like, no, I'm going to try this. So, um, and, and the big thing for me in doing that, I mean, there's lots of reasons, but I think one of my biggest whys is that, um, as you mentioned, I have two kids, I have two boys, um, mm-hmm. relatively young, this is six and three. And, I think as as parents, we always say to to our kids, you know, I mean, you can be anything that you want to be. I mean, you know, and and then at some point we kind of squeeze them into this sort of funnel of you go through school and you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And we start asking questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I didn't want to be that, but I felt that if I was going to say to my kids, you can be whatever you want to be, and I and I wasn't going to force them in this way, I had to kind of lead by example. I couldn't be mm-hmm. staying in a situation that wasn't aligned with me with with what I wanted and my values because I felt I had to so I'm proud of myself for doing that and I'm proud of of my kids and that they will now see me as an example that they can do that too and rather than asking Mm -hmm. them what do you want to be when you grow up 
my question will be as they get older more like what do you want your life to look like when you grow up because mm -hmm. that to me that's a more important question what do you want to feel when you wake up in the morning when you're a yes. little bit older you know yeah. so those questions to me are far more important and that gives you far more scope then to make the decisions that are necessary to get you to that place rather than just following the typical path that, that everybody else says that you should follow mm -hmm. um, so, uh, i mean if they say they want to be a lawyer that will be difficult <laughs> but i'm hoping that they have, have a nice <laughs> nice broad open scope that anything actually is possible um and, um, mm -hmm. and then follow that and, and i'll support them in doing that yes i love that because in that way you're breaking the the chain or the path that's it keeps getting passed down exactly yeah you know um and again leading by example is always the key yeah that's what people want to say right so yeah. it's easy to do that than just kind of uh hear people someone's telling you something this one who, who walks it like they talk it you know i mean going back to hip hop is a song i like so yeah <laughs> exactly and so in so how can people find you and then what would be uh, so someone in corporate and, you know, who's a lawyer just wanting to, you know, make some changes, what would be the best way for them maybe to consume of your content um, and get in touch with you? Sure. So I'm most prolific on Instagram. Um, so you can find me there. I look at it as a, as my playground a little bit. So I have mm -hmm. all sorts there, um, of great content. And so I'm on Instagram at I am underscore Ryan Spence. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, which, um, was a, a relatively recent thing. I kind of broke that frontier. Um, so yeah, you, you can find me there as well. Um, recently joined TikTok, which is interesting. It's a little, <laughs> bit, of an, a little bit of an experiment. Um, so to say, nice. That's just I am Ryan Spence. Um, and my website, which is I am Ryan So there are the places right. you can find me. And then to, yeah, to kind of work with me, you can go to the website and just book a discovery call and we'll sit down, have a chat for an hour. And great thing I love about discovery calls is that I get to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with, with interesting people. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, whether we sort of work together or not, they always leave thinking something differently than when they came. So, um, so a discovery mm -hmm. call is, is useful uh, and great. Uh, so go ahead, check that out. Um, yeah. And to work with me, then we can do have a three month one-to-one -one program. Um, or sometimes people either haven't done coaching before or need help with one specific issue. Like you've got to go and give a speech and you're really struggling with your confidence and you need some sort of coaching around that. So mm -hmm. you can also book an intensive 90 minutes um, where we kind of delve deep into that one issue and kind of help you through that um, with some support for, for a week or so afterwards. So, okay. so yeah, go, go ahead and, um, and, and find me in, in all of those places and then and drop me a line say that you, uh, you heard of me from the podcast. It'd be uh, yeah. great. Awesome. And then your book that's going to be finished yes yeah see now Soon. i said now i said now it, you said it. I, yeah i have to complete it so yeah the, the <laughs> book, is, book is, is coming yeah that's the key right is you have to say it out loud i get other people yeah so that's a huge one i think some people just say no no no, i'm not going to say anything until but it's like just declare it yeah that's it and now i've um i, I forced myself to uh to sort of go ahead and, and prove prove to prove i'm going to do what i say you know so yeah right and you will definitely you've made such huge changes in a really short amount of time just want to commend you for that and and putting yourself out there um and following that voice thank you yeah because it's that is a lot of courage well clarity cur confidence and courage all of those right. three things 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I think the 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 one thing I, I would like to leave listeners with is is something I always say, which is that you don't have to be you don't have to be what you've always done. Um, you, you have to do what you've always done. You don't have to be who you've always been. And I think that there's mm. this thing that once you're in something, you've invested so much time, money, whatever, that you kind of just have to stick with with what's there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to do that you do have a choice and I think that the pandemic in particular has shown a lot of people that that you can there are ways of forging um, a career of, of carving a path that you maybe never thought about before um, right but you can do it you know other people have done it there's no reason why you can't too exactly okay so I wanted to ask um, this is one of your taglines it's moving from a life of lethargy to a life that's lit yeah okay so in a nutshell, can you mm-hmm. define a life of lethargy? Did I say sure. that right? I don't know why that yeah. sounds weird. Um, <laughs> right. And then, and then, what does lit mean for you? Sure. Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, so I think when you asked me before about whether I knew the language and we talked about limiting beliefs and some of those things, mm-hmm. I didn't. So I guess towards my latter years of law, I just felt that I mean, sometimes you feel like you're a little bit lazy because you just can't get yourself motivated to kind of get something done. Mm-hmm. But what I found out is that it's just lethargy. I mean, lethargy is designed, defined as, as, I guess, a lack of enthusiasm for the thing that's in front of you. Right. And that definitely sort of defines how a lot of people feel in the jobs that they're in. It's not that they can't do it. It's not that they're lazy. It's not that they're unproductive. It's just that they, they don't have that enthusiasm, that drive. It doesn't light them up. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it is. Uh, a life that's lit, again, it means different things to, to different people, and that's the beauty of it. But what it means, it's living life on your terms. It, mm-hmm. I guess the, way, the best way for me to describe it is that I like to look at um, feelings. So what feeling do you want to feel? And then try and store and bottle up that feeling. So a great feeling for me is being in my car, window down, sun shining, playing hip-hop really loud, and there's yep. this feeling of freedom, of being untethered, of being on top of the world. All of these emotions are within me. That's, to me, that feeling is what living a life that's lit is. Mm-hmm. However you get that feeling for you. Some people get that feeling from their job, from their family, from their friends, from sort of doing outdoor pursuits, whatever it is. But for me, it's however you get that feeling, that's the lit life. So it's moving you from that life of lethargy, the life that you think you should want, doing the things that you think you should do to a life that's lit, which is the life where you just feel alive, you feel lit up, you feel aligned, you feel that mm-hmm. you're working towards something, again, something bigger than yourself. And it right. doesn't mean that every day is awesome and amazing, but it means that that's, that's kind of what you're waking up to live each day. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. I love that word too. I don't usually say it that often, but I like that that's like your tagline. Yeah, and again, go back, go back to hip hop as well. So yeah. <laughs> who I am and what I believe in. So yeah, yeah, I, I love it. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I love your story. I love your energy. And I'm so glad that we got, that we're connected. No, thank you. Yeah, it's great to great to connect. And I think that yeah, when uh, when I received your connection request and immediately saw the name of the podcast, I was like, I <laughs> this podcast, this is this is this is everything that I'm about. So uh, yeah, I'm really yeah. really glad that we, we got to do this. And uh, and yeah, looking forward to kind of staying connected. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Brought to you by Be Seen Productions. 
Go ahead and hit subscribe if you have not already hit that button wherever you're listening to this podcast and reviews really make a big difference. So if you are feeling generous and you want to leave a five-star rating or a review, please do. This is so hugely appreciated. And if you want to elevate your online presence for your business through engaging video content and digital marketing, check out bseenproductions.com. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks again for being here. See you in the next episode. And until then, keep carving your own fucking path.